You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So the Socks in the Basement podcast was in the can, as they say. It was completed. Steve Parazinski going to be on the show. He writes for Socks in the Basement at SocksInTheBasement.com. He also writes for other publications talking about the White Sox. He's been critical of the White Sox. We talk some winter meetings, what they should do, what they have done, what they're going to do. Should we panic? All that stuff. And Dave's here as well. But all that was done. And then late at night, Tuesday night, the Chicago White Sox go out and make a deal with the Rangers. They get Nomar Mazzara, corner outfielder. But in reality, that's your right fielder, at least for now. And they trade Steel Walker, one of their prospects. Mazzara, four years in the majors, came up when he was 21 years old. And in those four years, these statistics are basically exactly the same across the board. The man gets after some right-handed pitching, sucks against some left-handed pitching. He's like an 800 OPS against righties. He's like a six-something OPS against lefties. He hits about 20 home runs a year. He hits like 260 maybe 250, depending on how many, you know, lefties and righties he faces. He was platooned last year by the Rangers because they decided he was never going to hit left-handed pitching. There's still a lot of control on him, and he's still young. What did the White Sox give up? They give up a guy in Steel Walker that was like number six on the MLB pipeline list of White Sox prospects. Remember, we've been bringing guys up. He would have been further down just last year or the year before that. And eight on, I believe, the Baseball America list. So he's a guy in the top 10 of White Sox prospects, at least at this point. And some of these lists are going to get updated before the end of the season. He had a terrible run at the beginning of his minor league career and then found something in low A ball. And then when he went to high A, he had some problems pop up. Guess what his problem is? He doesn't do very well against left-handed pitching. He's actually pretty much Nomar Mazzara, except Nomar Mazzara is in the majors and he's been there for four years and Steel Walker is still in A ball and he's having his struggles. So I think you got to put that a little bit in perspective. If somebody sat there and said, you can have a guy that's actually completed all those steps and done well enough to make it to the majors, or you can have a guy that's in single A where you know you're going to have this decrease in ability. If you, you couldn't bring up Steel Walker right now, but you want a guy like that now, you want to advance Steel Walker. It's like sitting there and saying, well, we got Steel Walker. We got this other guy. They're pretty much the same thing. We just kind of want to advance that timetable a couple of years and get that guy, that that type of player out there right now. Then you would sit there and say, okay, the, the deal makes sense. I think the reason that White Sox fans are split, and it's very obvious. Some people see this as, hey, I'm okay with this deal. Some people are, they, they can't figure it out yet. And some people are really, really angry about it is because you wanted the White Sox to go out and get Marcelo Zuna. You wanted the White Sox to go out and get Nick Castellanos. You're like, why are we not spending any money? Why are we getting Nomar Mazzara? Well, if it's a depth move, it's a great move. If it's a, we just want to go out and get this guy and see what he can turn into, and we're not going to be using him all the time, and he's not going to be out there every day, but we just needed another outfielder. Because remember, rosters expand to 26 players. They may sit there and say, we're going to have him out there in the outfield mix. You don't know what their plan is. 
if that's the plan, this isn't a bad move. It's a nice little move. Not the big move you were expecting, but it's a nice little move. If in January they trot out Grandal, mention the Abreu re-signing, and say Mazzara, and that's it at SoxFest, you're going to have some angry people. And I, I completely understand that. I'll be standing right next to you. But in the middle of December, I'm not sure if I'm going to get upset about this yet. Like, I look at this as incomplete grade. There's an incomplete grade on this deal because he's got a great fielding percentage. I mean, he's a 995 fielding percentage. He had one error last year. He, he basically saves you five runs a season. So he's, he's a defender that contributes to you instead of being a detriment to you. He's got some power, and he has a lot of potential still because he's 24 years old. He's a low-risk, high-reward player. If he doesn't pan out, it didn't really cost you that much. I don't think Steel Walker is that big of a price. I could be wrong, but prospects are still prospects. I don't think it's a big price. But if the plan is, well, he's going to be our right fielder for the next three years, and we're just going to sit there and stick with it because we're being cheap, I totally understand why people are upset. I don't know if I believe that's what actually happened here. I have told myself I'm going to get through the offseason and look at it as a whole before I just start screaming and yelling and pulling my hair out. So the jury is out on this move. At face value, what you gave up for what you acquired, I still think you ended up with more than what you gave away. In a vacuum, I think it's a good deal. In the we want to start competing and not rebuilding frame, though, it's frightening if that's the move because there were a lot of options out there and you better hope Nick Hostetler moving over from amateur scouting to pro scouting saw something amazing and the White Sox are like, oh yeah, this is how we're going to fix him because if they can do it, it's, a, it's an amazing deal. But this could be all this guy is. There's a good chance after four years and those numbers don't change very much offensively over those four years, they're pretty much stagnant, that this is what he is. But a lot of guys, the switch goes on at 25 or 26. And maybe maybe that's what the White Sox think is going to happen. We have a lot of show ahead. We are not spending this entire thing on Nomar Mazzara. So let's talk more winter meetings. And remember, you can give us your thoughts on Mazzara and the deal anytime you want to. Give us a call, 708-459-8406. 708-459-8406. Sox in the Basement continues now. Rick Hahn came out on Monday night, and I want, to, I want to talk about what he said. He gets out there with all the Chicago reporters in a circle on a patio outside of the hotel in San Diego, and there's some video of this floating around, and all the beat reporters hear the same words that come out of his mouth, and then they all say something different. Well, yeah, because it's right, because it's telephone they, game. No, 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 it, but, but they all watched it actually being said from him, but the interpretations are amazing. Like, for example, the Sun-Times article that comes out first, the headline and the article suggest that the White Sox aren't trying that hard this year. White Sox big push might be a year away. The majority did, of the article... I did read that headline. Yeah. And the majority of the article is not Rick Hahn's quotes. It's a scout talking about what they think the White Sox should do and will do. But it's not Rick Hahn's quotes. No. Meanwhile, The Athletic comes out with an article the next morning on Tuesday morning. And in that article, it explains a little bit better that the Sox are still looking to fill the holes that they said at the beginning. 
they still need to go get that right fielder. They're still going to add a couple of pitchers. But there's no reason for Rick Hahn to make a deal today because it's still a long offseason and there's a lot of options. Those are two very different ways to look at what's going on right now. My reaction to it was uh, neutral. I'm When I read it, I'm sitting there going, well, I mean, okay, that makes sense. You don't necessarily have to sign anybody right now. Um, does that mean that the Sox aren't working on still signing Castellanos or a mad bum or, you know, insert your favorite starting pitcher here? No, it doesn't mean they're not doing that at all. But the one thing that I had noticed, the type of players that the White Sox want, at least thus far, we're talking about right fielders who can hit uh, and starting pitchers, one at the front end, one at the back end. These are not guys who are not necessarily flying off the shelves that you're going to have to get into a bidding war for. The Sox are not interested in in the Cole thing. They're not. They were never interested in Strasburg. Um, I've not heard them interested in uh, Ryu yet, even though like I think they should be. But you haven't heard them. You haven't heard those two connected. So the type of players that the Sox want and ultimately need are not the ones that you have to go out and get right here, right now. So, I mean, I read it. I was like, well, stinks. I would have liked to have come down here and talked about a Marcelo Zuna signing today. But, you know, whatever. There's time. I think that the, the White Sox had a plan that they had written down with a list. It was Yasmani Grandel. The next one was Zach Wheeler. And they had every intention of doing anything within their power to beating everybody out for them. And I think our little shell shocked that they didn't get Wheeler. I mean, that was a lot of money. They went well over what the initial estimates were. They offered $120 million to the guy and more years than that that they're normally comfortable with to give to him. I mean, that's the thing. They offered Zach Wheeler a deal that most White Sox fans would have said like, nope, they would never do that. And they did it. And they lost out. So now they're sitting there and they're saying, okay, fine. Now it's time to move on to the next thing. And the next thing may not be exactly what you thought it was. Like, look, you and I like Madison Bumgarner. They am sure. I mean, there's been reports. They've talked to Bumgarner. Yes. But now they're not really on the tip of everybody's tongue at the winter meetings as one of the teams that are in on him. I'm fine with that. They've made contact. They've probably said, don't sign without talking to us. And now they've disappeared because I think that's how they're playing things. I think they've made contacts with all of these camps. I mean, between your Bumgarner and your Ryu and your Keiko, which are really the next tier, and then it completely falls off. But those are the guys. There's no reason for them to get into this because guess what happened? The moment the White Sox got connected to Wheeler and became the front runner essentially for several days, what happened? A team that nobody had mentioned came in and grabbed them. Right. And what did the White Sox do to get Grandel? Nobody's really talking about the White Sox. White Sox walked in and grabbed them. The White Sox are sitting there saying, we don't want to be connected to anybody. They're not going to say a word. Rick Hahn, and you know what? Good for them. We said we wanted them to shut up and do their business behind closed doors, and they're doing it, so I'm happy. Let me ask you this, and this is just an honest question. Why the urgency, in your opinion, why the urgency to try to get a Zach Wheeler contract done before Thanksgiving or before winter meetings, but then when that doesn't happen to bide their time with all of the other pitchers that are right there with him on that tier. Like I'm not really following why the, I'm not really following why it was 
such a rush to try to sign that particular dude right off the get, but then not have... So when Zach Wheeler turns you down, you don't go to the plan B right away. I think the White Sox and most of baseball looked at this offseason and thought that the pace of things was not going to be as quick in the starting pitching market as it ended up being. I think the Sox looked at it and said, okay, everybody's going to go look on Cole. Everybody's going to go look on Strasburg. Everybody's going to be sitting around trying to kick the tires. We're going to strike quick on Grandel, and then we're going to try to strike quick on Wheeler. And the unfortunate thing that happened is that Wheeler's agent was smart enough to realize, oh, my guy's popular. And he made sure he put it out there, and he made sure other teams knew, hey, this move is going to happen soon. Get your offers together. And those teams that weren't ready to make their offers together then jumped in. And now, the think about it this way. You want to achieve surprise, like a sneak attack. And the White Sox were able to successfully do it with Grandal, and then they tried to do it with Wheeler, and now the surprise aspect is gone. Everybody knows they're a player, and everybody knows what they're looking for. And so now... Anybody that they go and they talk to, if they start to get really intense and they're the first team to jump on in on them, somebody else is going to sit there and say, let the White Sox set the price and then we'll figure out if we can beat it at the end. And they don't want to be that. So now they have to take a step back and they have to say, okay, we may be interested in these other guys, but I think they looked at Zach Wheeler, one as we can go after and grab him quick and we can shock the world that doesn't think that he's even worth $100 million and we're going to go in we know that our ceiling is up at about $120 million, and we're going to go beat everybody to him. And when it didn't work, now they realize, like, Madison Bumgarner's out there saying it starts at $100 million. Well, the Sox might value him right at that at this point. Right. And it be like, there's no, shock and awe isn't going to work with that. And so it makes sense to kind of sit back now and see what is the market because the market is very different. You see these high pitching prices. They kind of have to reevaluate what they're doing and how they're going to attack things. I don't think that they're not... I don't think they're done. I think they have I think they have targets that they're going to go get, but the landscape changed drastically over the last couple of weeks. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're into podcasts and you like beer, craft beer reviews, craft brewery tours, fatherhood, drunken singing, outrageousness, late 1990s morning radio, trapped 20 years later at a nine-foot homemade oak bar, the original Broadcast Basement podcast is still available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com and it is still 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb with a new on-demand episode every thursday maybe listen to it after this show which continues now Steve Parodzinski's on the line. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a big guy on White Sox Twitter. You can either look up Southside Clown Show or at NWI Steve. He writes for lots of different publications, including Sox in the Basement. This is the first time we've had you on since you started uh, writing for the website, bud. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been a lot of fun here. These first couple of articles that I've been able to put out for you guys. Well, you know, I, w- I was worried. I didn't know what your sensibilities would be on the last article with the pictures <laughs> that I selected, but it seems as though you and I were on the same page. Yeah, no, it was it was all good, my man. It fit, it fit in perfectly for uh, the picture that I was trying to paint. <laughs> Hopefully something good happens here in these next couple of days and we have something to talk about. Well, here's the thing. First off, I, I you know, a lot of a lot of baseball teams, they've complained. I've read recent articles on this and I've heard this complaint before that 
it's hard to get deals done actually during the meetings because you need to have roster flexibility with your 40-man roster. And some of these teams are sitting around going, well, I want to use a few picks in the in the Rule 5 draft at the end of the meetings. And so they don't feel like they have the flexibility and they're a little bit nervous to make a move and you get more moves that get announced after the Rule 5 draft is over, even though they got worked out at the winter meetings. And so I keep wondering if, you know, the Sox are sitting around and they may have a partner or they may make a deal because I think that they're in that position where they're going to make a surprise trade. They're either going to pick up a pitcher with a trade because they missed out on Wheeler or they're going to go out and get a right fielder with a trade. But I feel like a deal is imminent with this team. They're not getting through the offseason without making some sort of a deal because I don't think they're happy with what's left in free agency. When when they started, I think they had a very different plan. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that assessment about a potential trade coming here soon, especially after having missed out on Zach Wheeler last week. They have to kind of reevaluate their strategy with how they're going to reshape their rotation. You know, and there's a lot of rumblings if you go on Twitter and if you go on Reddit and some of the other sites here with some speculation about, you know, a, a deal that could be coming here down down the road for the Sox on, on a trade. And, you know, like I said, let's just hope that something does happen here. But you know, to my to my earlier point there, I think they really are going to have to get creative and looking at how they go about reshaping this uh, rotation here. And I think a trade would definitely be a viable way to go about doing it in addition to maybe signing someone like Hunjin Ryu or Keichel. We said it last year after the Machado thing didn't work. They were shell-shocked for the next 10 days to two weeks. There were other moves that could have been made to fine-tune their roster and they couldn't figure out what to do next because their plan got blown out of the water and it was like they went back to the drawing board on what they wanted to do. I feel like they put together a plan this year where they were like, okay, first we're going to go get Yasmani Grandal. Next, we're going to go get Zach Wheeler. And there were probably like three or four other steps. But when number, number two didn't work out, they had to put the brakes on. It's not like they had like plan A and plan B written out. When plan A didn't work, they have to sit down now and try to figure out what is plan B. Do you think that I'm crazy to think that? I don't necessarily think that you're crazy. The way I'm kind of envisioning this scenario is, you know, those uh, those mystery books that you read as a child that's, okay, you know, you pick this direction. If you go, if you go down direction A, then it's going to lead to this. If you go down direction B, it's going to lead to this. I almost think it's kind of one of those scenarios. So they went down direction A. They got Yasmani Grandal, like you talked about. Then they come to the next fork in the road. It's like, okay, do we get Zach Wheeler or do we not? And and that decision is ultimately going to determine then the direction that they're going to go. So at least I'm hopeful that they had backup plans in mind that they're trying to execute on here in the coming days following the Zach Wheeler decision. Because let me tell you, if if they went into that thing and kind of put all of their eggs into that basket and didn't have a fallback option on it, man, does that speak very poorly as far as what this organizational thought process is. And I think it's difficult for us as fans to envision a worse thought process than we've already been accustomed to. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think that if we get to, let's say, SoxFest, and I'm hearing them saying we did the best we could for Zach Wheeler, but when you go, well, what about Keuchel, or what about Ryu, or what about Bumgarner, and they just shrug, and you go, well, what about what about Cole, or what about Strasburg, and like, ah, I couldn't really afford it, and, and the only target was Wheeler, I think Sox fans are going to be enraged, because there, there wasn't just one option out there that you could go get, and there wasn't just one option out there that you could afford to put up at the top end of your rotation, or at least in the two spot or the three spot of your rotation. There are plenty of guys that could be added, and I think that Sox fans now are on edge because they're worried, 
oh my goodness, was this it? Do they, do they know what they're going to do next? What, you know, are we just going to sit around now? I don't think that's the case, but that's the angst that I'm feeling. Yeah, and I think that's probably a, a pretty fair assessment. You know, we're almost at this point conditioned as a fan base to expect the worst. And, you know, it, it really stinks to sit here and have to say that. But unfortunately, this organization has kind of put us into this mindset that we assume that they're not going to be able to execute on a strategic vision going into the following season. So it's really incumbent upon them to prove to us that they do have that plan and that they can execute on it. Let's talk a little bit about some possible plans. Okay. Uh, There's three pitchers out there that I think White Sox fans would say in one way or another, they say, okay, I'll accept this. We didn't get Zach Wheeler and I would have liked for them to be in on Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, but I will accept a Keuchel. I will accept a Ryu. I will accept a Madison Bumgarner. I think there are complaints for all three of them. And there are good things that you can bring up for all three of them. There will definitely be debate if they get any one of those three. If you had to right now rank them one through three for this team, how would you do it? If I had to, I think I would say Ryu, Keuchel, and then Bumgarner. And I know you're going to disagree with that. I know you and Dave are big Bumgarner guys. And to your point, there are warts on all three of these left-handed starting pitchers. You know, the way I look at it, I think Ryu probably has the highest upside associated with these pitchers, just given the performance that we saw from him in 2019. But he's a guy that does have an injury history that is kind of extensive the way Zach Wheeler's was. Um, you know, prior to the last two years. So there's obviously a concern with that, a guy coming over from the National League that's never pitched in the American League before. So, you know, there's concerns with that. You know, Keiko, I think, has the lowest upside of the three pitchers, but he might have the highest floor. There's just really nothing sexy about Keiko anymore at this point. He's a guy that doesn't really throw hard. He relies on a lot of cunning and guile from the left side, which is, you know, kind of ironic because that's the type of pitcher that I was when I was a scrub in college. So you would think I would be um, a little more attracted to that, but uh, nevertheless. And then, you know, with, with Bumgarner, the amount of mileage that's on his arm and the fact that he's only 30 years old and you just look at the number of innings that that guy has thrown. um, It's really concerning to me from that standpoint, as you look at, you know, some of the decline in overall velocity and some of his splits away from Oracle Park are really downright frightening. And you take him out of that hitters environment in the national league where you oftentimes get anywhere from two to four, almost guaranteed outs given how bad eight and nine hitters are in the National League, especially with the pitcher spot. Um, That's why I'm more bearish on Madison Bumgarner than a lot of people are. Unless he can just take a nap for the first six months of the season, Sox get to October, and then they can wake him up at that point. Steve Parodzinski writes for Sox in the basement. He also writes all over the place. Like I said, go find Southside Clown Show on Twitter at NWI Steve. Uh, We will talk off the air, my friend, I'm sure, before the holidays. But for the sake of everybody that's listening, you have a uh, Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we will talk soon. And if something big happens and we want to talk about it, maybe we'll get you on before that. Absolutely, Chris. Looking forward to it as always. Have yourself a Merry Christmas as well. You have the White Sox fans who, they want to sign everybody. Like, they want J.D. Martinez, they want Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. They want this team to sign everybody. And like you said, if they don't, ah, they suck. Right. Right. 
Then you have this other camp, Chris, who literally wants the White Sox to sign nobody. You have this, and, and it's a lot of the older school camp who, who they're these guys who believe that, ah, these baseball players are overpaid. Nah, you know, like there are, there were guys on social media who are like, hey, one, 100 million for Wheeler. He's a, nobody's worth that money. Eh, you know, you need to build your own. No, it doesn't work that way either. Boys and girls. Yes. You have to be, yes, you have to build your own. Absolutely. But you've got to augment it with free agents. There has to be some kind of balance, but it's, it's really interesting to me how you get this camp of like people who want everybody. And then people who want nobody. I think the White Sox still end up with two pitchers and a right fielder. It just depends on whether or not they think the guys that they sign are worth four and five year contracts and big money, or if they think the guys that they sign are worth a couple of years as fill-ins because they are fine going out there, replacing one of them or doing an upgrade in 2021 or for 2022, especially with a collective bargaining agreement looming, a new one. So look, there's a lot of options that are out there, but I don't think that they're trying to be cheap and I don't think they're trying to avoid going out and getting the right ball players. I just think that they're being very measured as to what they have. We talk about this all the time. We've talked about it before. Nick Hostetler was moved. And, and they won't come out and say it, but it's pretty obvious to most people surrounding the team. Moved from his role with amateur scouting to being Rick Hahn's special assistant so he could sit there and actually scout these major league players and tell him, this guy's going to get better, this guy's going to get worse. Their evaluations are different this year than they were in the years past because there's a new guy looking well, at these players and evaluating them, if you really think well, about it. Well, and they, they may have different takes on players than what the mainstream thinks. Well, thank God for that because our major league, our pro scouting department for pretty much our whole lives has been awful, dude. Right. So, yeah, fine, good. Um, like, if you're excited about the Hostetler thing, which we were, and the idea that we think that he's the fresh set of eyes that's on these guys and doing these things, and... If you believe that, then you also have to trust the idea that they may be sitting there valuing different players differently than we are valuing players. And you almost kind of have to trust that that he knows what he's doing. I mean, there's part of me that wants to trust that. I, I think Nick Hassettler's done some pretty smart things. You know, I, I think that his drafts have, have, have been better than, than most drafts before he got in there and started doing things. I think he's kind of started to figure out a lot of stuff. And I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy with the fact that he's evaluating things. I'm happy that I'm seeing Han in the front instead of really hearing a lot from Kenny Williams. I mean, the only time you hear from Kenny Williams are those hangarons from the mainstream media that are like, man, if I just hang out with Kenny, maybe he'll buy me a meal oh, and, I can, and I can talk about how great he is. I talked to some folks this week, uh, actually yesterday, when this whole... You know, when this whole Ozuna thing was going on. And the one thing that I found myself saying a, a bunch, and it speaks to what you're saying about how the Sox are playing it closer to the vest, is I, I told him, I was like, look, if we're hearing about this, it's probably not happening. Like, the moves that have happened with the White Sox this season and with other Chicago teams that have been successful, these are the moves that come out of nowhere, like the Yasmani Grandel. You know, when we we talked about it, when we started hearing more about Wheeler, 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 we both said, we're like, you know what, man, if this dude doesn't sign by Thanksgiving, he ain't coming to the White Sox. And sure enough, he didn't sign by Thanksgiving, and somebody swooped in at the last minute and got him. So 
I like the fact, and that's why I like the fact. I like the fact. I like the fact that I can sit here and say, you know what? If this, if you're not here, you know, if you're hearing about this move, it's probably not going to happen. It's the moves that you don't hear about that are going to happen, and the ones that you want to happen. Look, I'm happy with what they're doing so far. I'm glad they're keeping their mouths shut. It does not bother me that information is not being leaked like crazy. I do refresh my Twitter page every 15 seconds because I'm hoping for something. But in reality, it'll just be, we know that the thing we're waiting for is Jeff Passan to sit there and say, the White Sox have signed so-and-so. Or Ken Rosenthal to (laughs) sit there and say, the White Sox have signed so-and-so. And And that's all I'm waiting for. Those are the only two people I'm really paying attention to. I get excited about the Ozuna thing because it's fun. It's fun to get excited about the Ozuna thing. But it didn't happen. Is it though? Is it that fun? I find it fun. I don't know, man. I find when it that intriguing. Happens, I that, love it. When that when that kind of stuff happens, I'm just like, uh, here we go again. I love it. I, it's intriguing to me that the idea that like they could be doing this, and then you start sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, what would be their lineup? You know, what the first thing I thought of with the Ozuna thing when it was coming out was that I was like, oh, now think of this. Like everybody's sitting around saying that like he'd be terrible in the outfield, which is stupid because look at how terrible all of our right fielders have been defensively over the oh, years. God. Now all of a sudden you want a defensive specialist out there that also hits 30 home runs. I mean, how much crack are you smoking, White Sox fans? There aren't a lot of those guys no, out there. No, they're not there. <laughs> you know what I want? I want a left-handed power hitter that gets me 35 home runs and can throw out a guy from the outfield corner to third base on the one hop. Okay, makes diving plays and is going to do it for the money that Jerry Reinsdorf will pay him. I mean, like, come on. Well, you're, like, gonna, you're never going to be happy. Can we, can we get Griffey Jr. out of retirement? Never, he, he can do that. You're never going to be happy if that's what you want. But you know what the first thing I thought of is I was like, man, wouldn't that be interesting? Like, you know what would be kind of a neat move is like you get Ozuna, right? And then you go out and you like make a deal and you trade somebody like Zach Collins to the Pirates for Starling Marte. And you throw in like another prospect and then you put Marte in right and you make Ozuna the DH and you could have Ozuna and Jimenez switch back and forth from DH to the outfield. And all of a sudden you, you like change directions and fool everybody. And you have like this just murderer's row, like starting to be created in the middle of your lineup. You know I mean? Like, like those are the ideas that you don't even think of unless you see that rumor. So I kind of enjoy like the fun of it. I like playing GM. This is why I play fantasy baseball. I like playing GM. It's fun to do. I would love to work for a professional baseball team. They would never have me. I'd be there for two weeks and I'd be like, who is this moron? He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. They'd be like, that's the president of baseball operations. And I'd be out. Well, that's, you know, the only certain teams, Chris. (laughs) You could probably get a job with uh, a a team like the Red Sox or or the Dodgers who are highly highly into sabermetrics and who think outside the box. You know what we should do? We should do this. And somebody would be like, well, that's not how we do things. And the owner doesn't have that kind of money. And I'd just like be like, what? And they'd fire me the next day. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, I couldn't be in there. I couldn't. Okay. But I mean, I enjoy this. This is fun. I don't mind the Ozuna rumor if, you know, doesn't come true. It, it doesn't bother me. I, I'm happy with the fact they tried for Wheeler and they didn't get him. Uh, you know, they, they they did the best that they possibly could. I, I, I just don't see where the angst is right now with White Sox fans. It is the middle of December. We're the first people to start screaming about the team when the team sucks. I'm not angry with them. No. Are you angry with them? No. Okay, if Dave is not angry with them, what is wrong with you? There are so many more people out there that are angrier than me. You just, you have no idea, dude. Just spend some time, spend some time on White Sox social media and you'll, you, 
you will you will see it it's it's pretty it's pretty appalling actually yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly. no I, I, <laughs> i've said this before i come down here when the white Sox do good things i say good things about them right when the white Sox do stupid things I I tell them that they're saying and doing stupid things. No, I I intend to enjoy my holidays and watch hot stove stuff, and then when the first of the year comes around and nothing's happened, then uh, I'll start increasing my anger. Yeah, like you know, I, right now I just want to kind of evaluate what they can do, what they should do, what's available out there, and talk about the intriguing possibilities because that's what the fun of this is. We're going to talk about far more players than the Sox are actually going to sign. Or that are even available. Right, because that's just how you do this. But that's what makes this fun. Stop getting so angry about it. That's all. I, that's my only advice to everybody. All right? It's the holidays. Listen to, listen to some Frank Sinatra sing uh, J-I-N-G-L-E bells. No, it's Mariah, right? Mariah Carey now. That's what everybody listens to. Oh, that's ridiculous. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.